you'll bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these little ones and the families that come here to River of the Valley. Help us to share your wonderful story with them and the hope that you have. We lift up our Sunday school teacher, Cynthia, today. We ask you to use her and give her the wisdom and the words to share with these little ones so that we can keep inspiring them with the hope that you, you offer us. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, good morning, and once again, welcome to worship here. And we're going to have a, a moment to let Adhel say a little bit about what we saw last night. Um, he and Juanita and all of the team worked hard together to build an amazing event last night. So um, what, what did you see last night? What I see last night was a really blessed, was a really blessed um, because uh, we had the chance to share the love of Christ. We have the chance to open the doors for our church, for our community. So we see a really, really blessed in our community. And I want to say thank you to the Lord for making this possible. And thank you for all the volunteers, the sponsors, and everybody, because we can see a, fam a lot of families enjoying the event. For sure, everybody is that went home so happy. Not only for for the food, for the candies, for the piñatas. I I think this because we share our service. We give in our service to them. They feel like being home. We don't know most of the people who came last night, but for sure they have now in their hearts our River of the Valley Church. And first, because we had a big chance to, to offer, to giving them the word of God, to sharing the love of God. We have like a, we, we use our new, um, how you call it, the, the flyers? Yeah, so and thank you, Kenny, because uh, um, for all, um, they make these flyers possible. So we can share in many, many ways their love of God. They, they took those flyers to home. And also we speak with the families. We, we explain them what our church offers. For their families, what the church, the church is uh, giving to them. But principal, what uh, what we share with them? Nothing like the love of Christ. So that's that was the main thing. And thank you, thank you everybody, because it was so special life. It's, it's 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 just the beginning. It's just the first step. To, to starting to start a new relationship with our communities. That's our first one. Let's keep praying. We have more events like that. We have chance for everybody to share the love of Christ through service and whatever we can do for, for our community. 
Let's be prepared. Let's keep praying. And let's keep sharing the love of Christ. Thank you. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you, Arhel. And I like that important part of this is the first step. As, as they've taken on this role of directors of outreach for the church, we see all of your already hard work now, not, not only being just planting the seed, but we've already had some fruit come on the tree in such a short time. So um, we thank the Lord for you, for Juanita, and for your dedication and passion. Yeah, there were over uh, 250 people here last night. I say over because that's just how many people ate and there were a lot of people here that, that didn't get a chance to, because Fahij, how long did you stand in line? About 45 minutes. For, I mean, it was good. The, the, tr the food truck was very good. But yeah, it was, what? You got out of line, you didn't even end up eating. <laughs> but we had so many amazing opportunities to connect with families here in our community. So again, like, he said, thank you for everybody who came and volunteered and offered, offered your time, talent, service. And as we continue to move forward, this is the type of stuff that we're doing as a church. That, that's why we're funding what we're doing. So our offerings, what we're doing is we're trying to connect with people in our community to offer them, like he was saying, not just a good time, but the gospel. When we have the love of Christ, when we have that bond of the Spirit, it creates the community that we're seeing come together here, and then we can begin to extend that outward. And so coming together with our, with our resources is crucial. So anytime during today, we have our offering box here, or you can do that online through our website, to be giving financially to what we're trying to do here to glorify God and to get behind what the Lord is doing, to get behind what He is doing, not just our own efforts, but His efforts are what we get to be a part of. The next big event to look forward to as a church will be the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Every year we have our community day of thanks here. We'll have one service that will start at 1030 and we'll finish up with um, a potluck Thanksgiving style. Hopefully just right out here, nice weather here in Southern California. So we'll be doing that the Sunday before Thanksgiving. You'll hear more about that next week, but just keep that on your radars that we'll do our usual community day of thanks that Sunday before Thanksgiving. As we move into the time um, around scripture today, I'll invite us to pray, asking that the Holy Spirit would give us the ability to hear. Spirit, we, we trust that your presence among us will now illuminate our hearts and minds, that we would be able to not just read the words that you have for us today, but that it would be you speaking to us. Lord, our prayer is that as we do interact with your word, we would better understand who you are, who we are, and to what we have been called. We ask this in your name, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we're going to be looking at Luke, um, Luke 8 and it just so happens we're in a series of stories right here in this, in this space of Jesus' life. And here in Luke 8, it's the continuation of what happens next following the story from last week of the healing of the man. Now Jesus goes back to his home base. And, and now we're going to hear about what happened as soon as he got back there. So this is Luke 8, 
We'll read the first part now, and then we'll get back to it as we go. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a, na a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living and physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I, I perceive the power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. This father has lived with one of the greatest blessings that this life has to offer with, with the daughter. He's cared for her from the earliest days of, of this tiny creation being able to fit into the crook of their arm and carry this daughter around, the years of watching her eventually crawl and then walk and then talk, all the f life stages up now until entering into these almost teenage years. And at every point along the way when she would fall, he could run over and he could scoop her up. He could brush her off. He could say, in the worst moments, everything will be okay. I'm here. Daddy's here. Everything will be okay. But this was different. He knew that his daughter was dying. That was clear to him. And as he stood next to her and held her hand, perhaps he said the words, it's going to be okay. But in his heart, he knew it would not be. He was being strong once more, but now in a way where his very heart was tearing apart as he looked at his daughter, as, as she looked at him for help and for encouragement. Now, Jairus, this man, had heard about Jesus. He had seen him even, being around him, and as he had traveled from synagogues talking about this, um, this, this loving father, talking about his own faith, but in new ways, and, and seeing the ability or, and hearing the ability of Jesus to do miracles. And as he stood by his daughter's bed and, and realized the end was near, 
he committed himself right then and there. I must go to this Jesus as my last hope. So as we see in the story, he comes, he, he tells Jesus of his issue, of, 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 his daughter's, of his daughter's sickness, and Jesus follows. Jesus is on his way to go and be the hope. In scriptures, we have these words that, that give us hope, that the Lord God, that Jesus, the Holy Spirit in our lives can do the miraculous. These words from Paul to the church in Rome, that God gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Matthew 19, Jesus says to his disciples, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And then in Luke 1.37, we have the angelic messenger talking with Mary upon learning about Jesus and the virgin birth. And the angel says, for nothing will be impossible with God. This is the story that we see repeated throughout scriptures from the very beginning that God, God shows up and then things that are supposed to be impossible happen. We call them miracles. One being, as Paul says, that he gives life to the dead, this idea that there is no limit there, and also that God can bring things that were not into being, the very, the very God of creation. Now, these, these stories, these understandings of who God is were with Jairus, this, this leader in the synagogue, this leader in his church. And he was beginning to see the connection between this God that he knew in scriptures and the Jesus that was walking around and claiming to be the, the God in human, in human flesh, this, this son of the very heavenly father. And so he comes and he asks this miracle worker, this one who makes all things possible to come and do the impossible, and he's going, and then all of a sudden, Jesus takes a left turn. He's on his way to heal his daughter, this most precious part of his life. And as he's praying, as he is trusting and believing in God that this is going to happen, that this is going to be a healing, Jesus' will and plan for this man's life takes a left turn. And while it's well and good that the plan of Jesus included healing this woman, for the father to then have the news come from his friends that your daughter is dead. Don't bother this teacher anymore. In the end, Jesus proved to not be enough. In the end, there was no reason to actually come before him. Because that limit, that barrier that supposedly God is not bound by was met and she has died. In this, I, I'm reminded of the same message that, that Mary gives to Jesus when he arrives late to heal one of his friends, Lazarus. In that story, it says Jesus purposefully delayed in the beginning a few days so that Lazarus would, in fact, 
not be alive when he, when he gets there. And in that waiting, there is confusion. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha says the same words moments before this. They share that same sentiment. Jesus, if you had gotten here on time, if you had answered the prayer, my brother would not have died. In our lives, Calvin said one of the most important phrases, if we affix our, our faith to what we see, we're always lost. If we fasten our faith in God to what we can only see, we're lost. Because what we see as humans are these lines and these limitations, like death being the end, the closed door, and the end of possible hope. When reality, Scripture has already said so much to us about how this is the God who can bring back to life. This is the God who can bring things into existence that were not. And those words sound good to us. And in this sanctuary, we can share them with each other. But when we get out into the real world, when Jesus takes the left turn in our life, and the blessing we were expecting doesn't come, what do we do with that? Jesus responds to Mary. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? He says this after arriving late, after Lazarus is dead, after hearing Mary and Martha both say to him, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then he still has the audacity to say, did I not tell you that if you believe... <laughs> You will see the glory of God. In the moment of our, of, of our breaking, in the moment when, when our lives fall apart, when that end is met, particularly that door of death of a loved one, these words could feel very trite. These words could feel like wrong, wrong place. Someone there might say, Jesus, read the room. But he says them. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? For each one of us that encounters these moments in life where, where Jesus takes a left turn in meeting us where we were hoping to be met and walking with us all the way to the bed of the daughter, as we stand there confused, maybe even angry at God. Nevertheless, Jesus speaks, saying, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? He simply is not bound by any limitation that you see. This is, this is something that we need to carry with us in our daily rhythms, 
from morning <laughs> until night. Jesus is not bound by this limitation I see in front of me. This might be a line that I would draw, some sort of a finite ending, but Jesus is not bound by this line. Jesus is not bound by this limitation that I see before me. I have been called, I've been called to, to be filled with faith that even in those moments where you feel like the bars have come, bam, even in those moments, we believe in a God who will pass through them. When that moat is filled with water and, and the dangerous alligators, we still believe we have a God that passes over the waters. When our most cherished and loved ones lie in the pangs of, of death, of, of stage four cancer, of, of anything that is of illness, the Lord says, fear not. To, to Jairus, Jesus said, but Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear. Only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead, but taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given to her to eat, and her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. In both of these stories of healing in this passage, Jesus isn't recorded to have used the typical word for healing, for, for mending some sort of ailment. Instead, he uses a Greek word that means something closer to saved. He saved them. When he says to the woman, go, your faith has healed you, it's actually your faith has saved you. And here in the same, in the exact same word, when he tells Jairus to not be afraid, only believe, he says, and she will be saved in verse 50. And she will be saved. Because here's the gospel. Here's why we're here right now. Jesus did not come to simply mend your broken arm. He did not come to simply end this woman's ailment of bleeding. In fact, he did not come to just raise this girl back to life. Because eventually, what will she do again? That girl would die, hopefully in old age. Lazarus, he raises him from the dead. 30, 40 years later, again, he's dead. Jesus did not come to simply heal us. He came to save us. Jesus is the one who comes, and the healing is just pushing back the limitations a little further. See what I mean? She, she, the daughter dies, and here is, here's the end of her life. Here's that limitation that the father fears. When he brings her back, if it's just a healing, 
then he's just pushed that limitation back another, what, 60, 70 years? Jesus did not come to simply, to simply put a Band-Aid on our world. Jesus came to save it, to rescue it from its bondage to decay. And his promise now is that when he comes again, is that all things will be made new. This is what the gospel is for us. That it's not simply coming to church and, and praying like you're rubbing a lamp and hoping that the genie comes out this time and, and touches my life in the way I'm hoping. No, Jesus didn't come to be this, to just to only be this healer. He came to do so much more than that. He came and so that any healing that we do see in our lives when we're praying is only to point to this larger saving that he has done. Saved from the death and bondage to decay that sin has brought into our world. Remember when he created us, we were not created to, to even know death, to know suffering. This is something that sin has brought upon us by our rebellion to God, by listening to the evil's whisper. He is going to return us this promise. He is saving us. He is rescuing us from that sinful state. Jesus is not just here to heal. He's here to, to save. And as we look at everything in our life, it is of fundamental importance. I can't say that any different. It's crucial. It's elemental that we look for what Jesus sees. You need to, to, to put on the glasses of Jesus, and anything that happens in life, we need to be interpreting it through some filter that would say, what would Jesus see about this? Notice what did what did Jesus claim this daughter was doing when he arrives? He said, she's not dead. She is asleep. When we, when we encounter someone who is close to death, if we look at it through what Jesus sees, we understand this is, a, this is sleeping. This is not any form of a barrier or ending. Jesus will call this person to life. When we go through hardships in our life, we need every moment to be looking at what Jesus sees about this. And only then will we have the perspective that we need to move forward to that which brings life. And I mean everything. Don't, I, I, we don't need to spiritualize it, but yeah, when you're on Instagram, you need to be seeing everything through what Jesus sees. It's, it's critical when we are living our lives out in the real world that we don't divorce what happens in here and what Jesus is telling us to what we're living out there. Oh my goodness, this is critical. Everything that you do today, no matter what it is, you need to be seeing it through how Jesus sees it. What am I going to put on Instagram? What am I going to look at? What am I going to like? What am I going to comment on? We used to use the expression, what would Jesus do? <laughs> well, you have to back that up. What does Jesus see? Because that informs what we do. In the moments in which death comes, if we can see what Jesus sees, then we do not mourn like those who do not have a hope. When, J when Lazarus is found to be dead, what does Jesus do? Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus cried. Jesus wept. The one who is hope felt the, 
the pang of that moment, that loss. But we don't mourn like those who don't have a hope because Jesus knows that is only, only something that he came to save. So we're filled in these moments of life with the lament of not having the full effect of our salvation, but nevertheless being able to point to this hope. That anything, anything that is to us a bondage to decay or death, that Jesus is already saving us from that. Challenge this week. Remember, remind yourself, set alarms, put sticky notes on your mirrors, whatever you need to do. Look for what Jesus sees. Look for what Jesus sees. How, how does Jesus see this circumstance, this problem, this person, this issue? How does Jesus see what I delight in with my family, with the things that we're doing? How does Jesus see it? Let's pray. And Father, you are good because you have come to save us. Not just to heal, but to save. Lord, we ask that your spirit would give us eyes of faith, that moving forward, we would, we would see what you see. We would see how you see May this, may this perception allow us to find the, the new depths that you have, you have gifted to us of a hope, a peace, and even a joy amidst the suffering that this world still knows. Help us, Lord, to bear this tension well, as you did, of calling out what's wrong and feeling compassion for those who are suffering, and at the same time being filled and with this message in our own lives to then share with others that you are the Savior, not just healer, but Savior. Father, you have called us to faith. You said to not be afraid. Just believe. Lord, show us what it means today to just believe. Show us what it means today to not be afraid, but to be of good courage. Allow us to, to move on from this time together, filled with, with that Spirit's promise that we can be filled with courage. That we can choose to just believe in your view we can choose help us in our unbelief i ask this in your name jesus amen amen i'm moving to a time of extended worship here um if juanita and shayna if you'd be willing and maybe or Audhel, whoever go back and if anyone wants to find prayer today for any particular concern you know, we, we've just heard a message about uh, healings and about the need to take courage when we're going through hardships part of part of being a church is we pray for one another is we pray for one another even if if it's something that you feel like isn't big enough that doesn't merit prayer do you ever do that in your life you're eh, that's, god's not concerned about that that's not a big enough thing to bring to the lord god cares about everything in your life particularly that you are going through right now so if there's something that we can be praying over you that we can join you in carrying that burden please feel free to come back and, and um, direct.
direct uh, Shana and Juanita would love to be praying for you. Let's enter into this time of offering ourselves to what the Lord has done. They called him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He bled and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove. Savior lives because it is I can face tomorrow because it is all fear is gone because I know is worth the living just because it lives how sweet to hold our newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives but greater This child can face certain days because it lives because I can face tomorrow because it lives all fear is gone because I worth the living just because it lives and then one day I'll cross a river I'll find life's final word with pain and then as death gives way to be of glory and I'll know he reigns sing it out because because oh, because I know he holds 
feel free to have a seat real quick. We're going to invite Shayna up. She has one, uh, one more thing to do before we do our final song today, and that is... Oh, the suspense. Is it eating at you like it's eating at me? I wanted to talk about one of our small groups. So I wanted to invite Liz and Bahij over here. Uh, they are so gracious to host one of our small groups. And so I want to, do we have another microphone for them by any chance? Or I can share mine, I guess. I wanted to ask them some questions about their small groups. So those of you that are not members of small groups can kind of get an understanding of what we do and, and why we do this. So hi, Liz. Hi, Vahish. Hi. Uh, Hello. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit, like, when do you guys get together with your small group and what are you studying? Um, well, actually, we just finished. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, the, the first question, to answer the first question, we meet on Monday nights at 7.30 p.m. We're, it's up in the air. We're, we might change it, but it works for most of us, so we'll probably keep it that way. We'll keep people updated if we do change it. Um, we just finished our study in Romans, and um, we're supposed to be starting something new, but that's up to him. <laughs> Jonathan leads us. We we're hosting. Oh, okay. I think isn't the plan that all the groups will be starting the same. Thing well, eventually. Yeah, you're right, Liz. We're going to start some of those dimensions of discipleships. We'll be starting those. I think the first of the year we're going to start the first one. Oh, okay. Yes. What else? Uh, and then I was curious. You guys have an event coming up. Yeah. Um, on the 14th of November. Um, Right after church, we're having a potluck or pizza party. Again, details to be determined at our house. Um, this group is for people our age, so that's people between 20 and 30, <coughs> with, with an exception for Felipe. Um, and yeah, so all are welcome who fit, and, and Jonathan, right? He's the other exception. So people who fit that criteria are welcome to come. Um, bring some snack something if you want, um, but otherwise we'll be providing the bulk of it. Okay, so you guys are younger adults that are meeting once a week, and you're going to have an event to kind of have some fellowship together and just to hang out. And it's if you come, you want to bring enough to feed like 10, right? Whatever you bring, bring enough for 10. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. And then one last question is, you know, why do you meet? What kind of benefit do you guys get out of coming together once a week? Uh, well, I think it's just nice to be able to, you know, make new friendships with other people around our age because this stage of life can be stressful and Sometimes it can feel lonely um, and hard to make new friends and connections. And um, so that in addition to, of course, you know, the fellowship side of things and going through various chapters in the Bible together is really special. Um, and yeah, we, we just, we end up having a lot of fun 
Um, so we'd love whoever can and wants to join us. Um, we'd we're always you know open to welcoming new people into the group. So the more the merrier. <laughs> oh, um, and if if um, coming in person is difficult. Um, we also have a few people from Seattle, our old friends Corey and Alexa, and then uh, another friend that we met through them join us over Zoom. So um, if people from Seattle can join us over Zoom, nobody has an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you guys. Thank you for sharing about that. I appreciate you coming up here. You can go ahead and take a seat. Yeah, our small groups are so important to help us to feel like family here, to really feel like a community where we develop real friendships with people that we can count on and we can pray together and we can share those hardships that life throws at us from time to time. So they're really important. This is our young group. If you feel like joining them some Monday night, reach out to Liz or Bahij and get those details or you can always reach out to me too. I'm going to take this time and pray and pray over our small groups, and then I'll turn it back over to, I think, Felipe, right? Okay. All right, bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this church family. And thank you for giving us groups of people where we can be in relationship and we can cast our fears and struggles at your feet and trust that you will give us the wisdom, the encouragement, and the resources, the provision. You'll equip us so that we can handle these things in a way that you would like us to handle it. It does take encouragement because our human emotions tend to get the best of us sometimes, and we want to react, we want to lash out, we want to be angry. And Lord, we know these things, all of us suffer with these things, yet, Lord, you can give us different ways to handle things. And when we choose to let you guide us, boy, it's amazing how things can take a turn and really turn into something beautiful. So, Lord, I'm grateful for the opportunities you've given me to kind of test on these lessons. And I pray over our small groups that you continue to help them to connect with that wisdom and to challenge them to make different changes in their lives so that they can be more Christ-like, so they can step into your image and really get a vision of that um, original plan, that vision of humanity that you had for us so that we can have shalom and we can live in this world that's beautiful and, and all the benefits of your creation, Lord. So thank you for that. And I just pray over everyone here, if someone here is lonely or, or feeling like they need to connect, that you give them courage so that they start to touch and reach these small groups or people in this community that can make a difference in their life. Thank you, Father. We pray this in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Savior. Amen.